All right. Well, good morning, church family. Each and every one of you looks beautiful. Hey, I want to honor just a couple people before we get started. I want to honor all of our greeters, our ushers, sound team, security team, just everybody who, who makes this thing happen on a Sunday morning. You're deserving of honor. All of our children's workers, come on, can we give a louder round of applause? All these faithful people you never see up here but are equally pouring their hearts out just to serve God and to serve his people. And, you know, it's not about speaking and getting a platform. It's about serving Jesus. You know, and you can do that whether you're in the bathrooms plunging toilets or you're serving coffee. I, I remember I, Mary, who runs our coffee shop, got me once. It was like a conference and she recruited me to do coffee. And I just apologize if you receive my latte because it was awful. And, uh, but I remember serving back there and, and it was the time of my life. I remember greeting with Gail, being a part of Gail's team and doing the greeting, you know, and if you'll honor what God places in your hand, he'll honor what he's placed in your heart. You know, there's a dream in your heart and, and God wants to see it through to completion, but he's waiting on you to be faithful with what he's already given you. I got young people that say, oh, I want to speak and I want to preach. And I, I, what has God already given you? You know, he's probably asked you to be a good friend. He's probably asked you to be good to your parents. I can't believe not one parent said amen. amen. There's one area of our church that I never served on. I still have beef with them, and that's the security team. And I think they overlooked me because of the size of my biceps, you know. But I actually had a security guy. He came up to me after service, and he said, just remember this. It's not, about the, it's not about the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. And I was like, yes, so true. Sign me up. And I hope you give me some weapons because I can't. Anyways, we'll leave that one there. You can laugh in church and you can say amen. You know, you can clap, you can applause. You know, there is a difference between hearing and listening. There's a difference between, and I was with Nicole just the other day, and I said, and, well, I hate throwing her under the bus when I speak. Let's just, yeah, let's just drop that one. Let's leave that. There is a difference between hearing and listening. You can sit in here every single week and listen, but not really hear. Not really hear and take it to heart, you know? And so I want to talk today. If you've got your Bibles, you can flip over to Matthew chapter 16. If you're taking notes, title this morning, your response, your reality, your response, your reality. Last week, Pastor Jeff, I loved what he said out of Acts chapter one about the early church. And he threw out this question. He said, when Jesus resurrected, they were waiting in the upper room and he goes, who is the leader? You know, in, in Western church, we want a pastor and we want a leader and we want a shepherd to lead us and guide us in one person. And he just asked, he said, who is, who is the leader? And I was watching on the live stream. I paused it and I was like, and then I resumed it. And he did what, if you've been here before, when he speaks, he went, hello, <laughs> pastor Jeff, he always goes, hello. <laughs> and it's just silent. And I was thinking, you know, but it was so good. And I loved what he said about that. Jesus doesn't always fill in the blanks. 
You know, in our lives, Jesus doesn't always fill in the blanks. It requires us to listen to his voice day in and day out, listening, listening, listening to the things that he says. And this morning, I want to talk about your response and your reality, who Jesus is to you. And in Matthew 16, it says it like this. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. If you want to flip over to Matthew chapter 26, and read a couple more verses out of here. In Matthew 26, verse 20, it says, When it was evening, he reclined at the table with the twelve, and as they were eating, he said, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him one after another, is it I, Lord? He answered, he who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Verse 25 says, Judas who would betray him answered, is it I, Rabbi? He said to him, you have said so. You have said so. Jesus, we honor you in this place. And we just choose right now to press in and to listen to what you have to say to us, Holy Spirit. We pray that you would come and do what only you could do, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would encourage us, that you would remind us who you are to us and who you want to be through us, God. And I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would, spirit of wisdom and revelation, come and speak to us who you really are, Jesus. We just honor you in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My girlfriend, Nicole, um, there's a couple things that since dating her, uh, some new things that have happened in my life. One of, and there's also some new phrases new phrases. Nicole's got a couple of phrases that since date, I, I had never heard of before until I started dating her. And, you know, she was born in London, and I don't know if this has anything to do with that, but certain terminology that, like, I don't understand. And so, for instance, we'll be running, driving on a, like, a two-lane road, one lane each direction, and, uh, and I never text and drive, ever. Occasionally, I'll change the music, but I'll look down, and she'll say, Babe, you can't do that on a dual carriage road. <laughs> I felt like I was back in school. Like, can you use that in a sentence? Can you give me the origin? Like, where do you get that? A dual carriageway. Is that right? Dual carriageway. And I'm like, what is that? Like, I don't get it. There's a few others. She says, uh, hey, babe, do you want to get barbecue for dinner? Could do. Instead of maybe, she says, could do. Like, we could do. Do you want to go, uh, go to the Rockies game tonight? The answer should always be yes. Could do. <laughs> could do. Not maybe, but could do. And then there's one, four words, and they frustrate me 
more than any other words. And, uh, and, uh, and so anyways, one time we were driving in the car, and if you know Nicole, she's got a great voice and she sings. And if you know me, I don't have a great voice and I don't sing, except when we're in the car. And uh, you know how sometimes in your head you think you sound really good? Like you know the words and you're just kind of vibing and singing and we're, we're in the car and I'm singing and I think I'm doing great. And all of a sudden from the passenger seat, she just starts cracking up. And I looked over at her and I was offended. And I was like, I have a terrible voice. You hate my voice. And she just keeps laughing. And then she says these four words, your words, not mine. <laughs> your words, not mine. And I'm like, oh, the worst, the worst. Don't say that to me, your words, not mine. And as we read this story in Matthew chapter 16, I feel like this ties in perfectly. We'll get back to it later, but we're gonna put Matthew 16 back on the, on the screens for you. And there's this really powerful moment happening between Jesus and his disciples. Jesus has his 12 disciples around him and he basically goes, all right, you guys are the closest ones to me and I'm, I've been sending you out. So you're hearing the reports of what everybody around you is saying. And he looks at them and we'll put this on the screen. And he says, who do they, who do the people say that I am? Who do people say that the son of man is? Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Some say Jeremiah, some say Elijah, one of the prophets. And then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And I think in this moment, we are colliding with one of the most powerful questions Jesus asks people ever. And it's also one of the questions that every single one of us, believer or not, regardless of religious affiliation or beliefs, every one of us has to confront this question when we stand before God. Who do you say the Son of Man is? Who do you say that I am? Jesus first asks, who do the people say that I am? And they answer, they say, some say a prophet, you know, Elijah, Jeremiah, and he doesn't even stop them and correct them. You know, it, it wasn't like, well, some say that you're the Messiah. Some say that you're the Savior. Some say that you're the Lord. He doesn't even correct them. He says, who do they say that I am? Okay, but who do you say that I am? And the most important question Jesus wants to know your answer to is, who do you say that he is? Who do you say that Jesus is? Not who do your friends say, not your parents. Who do your parents say that he is? Not who does your pastor say that Jesus is? No, no, no. Who do you say that he is? All of our lives flows out of our revelation of who Jesus is. In this true, we prayed earlier this, mor this morning, we just prayed for, for healing. Why? Because our revelation is that Jesus is a healer. Why do we lay hands on the sick? Because we believe that we lay hands and they will recover because Jesus is a healer. Who do you say that Jesus is just this morning? You know, who is Jesus to you? Have you confronted that question? 
Have you thought about that question? I'm not just talking about on Sunday, but what about on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday when your teenager is driving you nuts? Amen? Hi, friends. These are all our students. Hi, guys. You guys look beautiful. Who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say that he is? Who do you say that Jesus is? Every part of your life flows out of the revelation of who Jesus is to you. And you notice in our text that once Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, Jesus looks at Peter and he says these words. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You are Peter. This is who you are. You told me who I am. Now I will tell you who you are. This is who you are. And this is what you're going to do. If you're sitting in church this morning and you have no idea what your calling is, which you do have a calling, we all have a calling. If you don't know what your calling is, the first step is a revelation of who Jesus is. Before he ever tells you what to do, he asks you, who am I? He is probably waiting to give you more of his plans for your life until you come into a solid understanding of who he is. You know, he's not going to give you all the plans he has for your life while you just have this partial understanding of who he really is. Do you know that he's your savior? Like, I have a revelation that Jesus is my savior. Why? Because there was a time when I was 18 years old and my life was a mess. Absolute mess. Anxiety, depression, fear, crippled. And I sat right back there and Jesus during worship came and met me in this place. And he saved me from the inside. I have a revelation that Jesus is my savior. What did Jesus says? Blessed are you, for this has not been revealed to you of flesh and blood. That means a man hasn't stood up on a platform and told you Jesus is savior. My father in heaven's revealed it to you. You may be sitting in this place saved, but not have a, a revelation from God in heaven that he is the Lord of all. What is the depth of your revelation? What's the depth of your revelation of who Jesus is? Is it that Pastor Mike has stood up here and told you Jesus is the savior? Or has he spoken it to you? Has he shown you? Who is Jesus to you? My dad's side of the family, so my family, my, my, my dad's side of the family is Jewish. And I'm talking like Orthodox Jewish, like go to temple every week, celebrate all the holidays, like the whole thing. And my mom's side of the family is Christian. And I say really Christian. And if um, you're new here, maybe you don't know what I mean. As a teenager, being like really Christian meant you were really bored when you sat in church. Like that to me was really Christian. Like they must be really Christian because every time we go to their church, all I want to do is and mom would like, I would like fall asleep on her shoulder and she'd be like, Zachary, we're in church. Just like that, huh, mom? <laughs> SMH, shake my head. So as a kid though, look, this is the best part about this. As a kid, we got to celebrate Christmas, but we also got to celebrate Hanukkah. And so I didn't just get presents one day. I got it the eight days of Hanukkah and on Christmas. 
all my friends were jealous. All of them. We don't pr promote a spirit of envy, but oh my goodness, it was great. <laughs> Life was so good. Everyone's like, how is it? You're so lucky. I was like, yeah, I am. Lots of presents. We would also celebrate, we'd celebrate Easter, we'd celebrate Passover. You know, we'd celebrate Yom Kippur, we'd celebrate Rosh Hashanah, we would celebrate all of the holidays. And we would also, um, you know, partake in sort of the rituals and the traditions of the religion. So, you know, as a little, a little baby, I got baptized. And then at 13 year, years old, I had a bar mitzvah. And, uh, and the bar mitzvah is what I wanna talk about because at the bar mitzvah, and if you're not familiar with Jewish culture, they believe at 13 years old, you are now a man. And, and as a sign or a display of this, you get up and have this bar mitzvah where you lead the congregation in service. So the rabbi stands up there with you and you kind of tag team this Jewish service and you lead the entire, the, the entire group. And I just thought it was so cool as a little 13 year old, 12 and 13 year old to have this rabbi like we, for months leading up, he would teach us all the things. He would, you know, talk to me. He'd be like, hey, what's going on? You know, this is what this means. This is the Hebrew word for this. And this is that. And I was like, all I want to talk to you about is baseball. Like, can we talk about the Rockies? And he was like, so serious. And I was like, he is so cool. I'll never be like that. You know, but I was just in awe of a rabbi. I was, I was in awe of the rabbi. And I looked up what the word rabbi means. And rabbi is actually a Hebrew word, but in Greek, it'd be rabbi, rabbi. Online, you can click the little audio thing and this like really deep voice dude will say it. And he's like, rabbi, rabbi, Strong's G4461, rabbi. Rabbi, and what it means is this. It means a great teacher, or you can use it proper as my teacher. It's a great teacher or my teacher. That's what rabbi means. And so in the Jewish culture, that's what they would say. They would call each other rabbi. Paul was on a track to be rabbi. You know, this is the great teachers. These rabbis were, they memorized the first five books of the Bible, of the Old Testament. It's called the Torah. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Memorized. Thank God pastors today aren't held to that standard. You know, I have trouble like one verse at a time. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. <laughs> so a rabbi is a great teacher, and we're going somewhere. Just stay with me. A rabbi is a great teacher. And then there's the word Lord. I was like, okay, well, if, and, and, and Jesus was saying, who do people say that I am? And they were like, some say prophets. And as I've read through the New Testament, I, I hear them call him rabbi, which is a great teacher. There's a lot of different things. We also obviously hear people call Jesus Lord. And so I looked up the Greek word for Lord and it is, I'll try to put on the accent, kurios, kurios, K-Y-R-I-O-S, kurios. And it means, the, Lord, the word Lord means he to whom a person or thing belongs, about which he has power of deciding. To say something is Lord is to say that you belong to that. To say Jesus is Lord is to say that you belong to Jesus. He's supreme in authority. And you have the power to decide it. And if you're sitting in here this morning, you have the power to decide who is Lord of your life. You have the power to choose. Who 
who is the Lord of your life? And so we flip back to the Bible in Matthew 26, the first story we read. And we've got it on the screens. It says this. When it was evening, he reclined at the table with the 12. When it was evening, he reclined at the table with the 12. This is wild. Jesus is about to tell them, the next line says, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. For this type of speech, I don't think in my mind that Jesus would be reclining. The Bible says he reclined at the table. In my old apartment, we had a lazy boy recliner. And my roommate, Sean, and I would kind of have a race to get home each night so that we could have the recliner. You know, and it, has, does anyone have a lazy boy recliner? Oh my goodness. Raise your hand if you have a lazy boy. Oh my gosh, you know what I'm saying. It's a gift from God. It's a gift from God. We didn't even have to buy ours. A friend was like, hey, we're moving. We don't have space for it. Do you want it? We were like, lazy boy? Wow. This lazy boy recliner, I tell you, we would just recline in. And so I would walk in the door and I would be praying as I walk into, the, into my apartment. I'd be like, God, please don't let Sean be in that chair. <laughs> sure enough, I'd open the door and there's Sean just leaning. Hey, bro, how was your day? Well, it was great until I came home and you were in my chair. I'm telling you, though, some of the best talks we ever had, he would just lay in the chair. I'd have a rough day and he'd be like, just reclining. Put his arm around me. If you know Sean, he plays saxophone right here. Big guy, tall. Just put his arm around me. It's going to be okay, bro. It's going to be okay. And these are the kind of conversations you expect out of a recliner. So when we read this story and it says, when it was evening, he reclined at the table with the 12. You don't expect his next words to be, one of you is going to betray me. Truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. And if I was a disciple, and in my mind, I think they probably got to the edge of their seat. And they were like, whoa, Jesus, one minute you're reclining, and now you're telling us this? Like, go on. And so we continue reading, and it says this. Truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. In verse 22, and they were very sorrowful and began to say to him, one after another, is it I, Lord? Another version, which we've got on the screen, says it like this. They were very sad and began to say to him, one after the other, surely not I, Lord. One after another, sitting around a table, surely not I, Lord. Surely not I, Lord. Surely not I, Lord. Right? One after another. Surely not I, Lord. Surely not I, Lord. Surely not I, Lord. And then as we keep reading in the story, in verse 25, it says, Judas, who would betray him, answered, surely not I, Rabbi. Surely not I, Rabbi. And he said to him, you have said so. Another translation says, you yourself have said it. In this story, who is Jesus to you? In this story, all of the disciples, one of you will betray me. All of the disciples go around the table saying, surely not I, Lord. Surely not I, Lord. Surely not I, Lord. And it gets to Judas. And the Bible says that he says, surely not I, 
Rabbi? And Jesus looks at him and says, you yourself have said it. You yourself have said it. Your response, your reality. Your response, your reality. And I want to say this. I didn't say this earlier service, but you can be in the room with Jesus. You can even be at the table with Jesus and still not have a revelation that he's the Lord. Do you get this? Like they are in the room with Jesus, at the table with Jesus, spent three years with Jesus, and Judas still doesn't have a revelation that Jesus is Lord. I mean, common sense would say, everyone around you saying, surely not I, Lord. Like, even if you don't believe it, you could say the same thing they said. <laughs> Pass the test? Surely not I, Lord. Surely not I, Rabbi. Oh, but it's, it's just, you know, it's a fine print, and, you know, maybe a different translation doesn't say it. Well, yeah, every translation says that he used the word Rabbi great teacher. Oh, well, maybe, you know, it's just a word, you know? Maybe he was having an off day. Maybe it's not that important. But then you think about what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12. He says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. This was not just a word. This came out of the overflow, the abundance of his heart. He said, I can't even look you in the eyes and call you Lord. I can't even sit across the table from you and call you Savior, Messiah, Lord. Jesus' response to Judas is, you know, surely not I, Rabbi. And Jesus goes, you yourself have said it. And what I instantly think of is that story I told you about my girlfriend, Nicole. Your words, not mine. Jesus is looking at Judas and he's saying, your words, not mine. That's your revelation. Your reality is dictated by your response, which is first dictated by your revelation. Judas's revelation was that he was a really great teacher, a rabbi. And I just want to tell you, as somebody who spent time with a rabbi, you know, a rabbi can teach, but only Jesus can transform. A rabbi can teach in their blessing, man. But my life went downhill after I spent time with a rabbi. But the day I met Jesus, I got saved and my life has never been the same. So you may read this story and think, oh, Rabbi, Lord, but I read this story and I think about times I spent with a rabbi and times I spent with the Lord and it's not the same. That's prophetic. Surely not I, Rabbi, a great teacher. And here's where we're at. As a church, each and every one of us have to confront this question of who is Jesus to you? Because if Jesus to you is a rabbi or a great teacher, you will come to church waiting to be taught by a great teacher. You will come to church expecting and putting pressure on people to do something that only Jesus himself is supposed to do. Church has never been about a worship leader or a musician 
or a preacher or a teacher. The church of God has always been about community. We don't get together on Sunday so we can be inspired and encouraged and leave and go back to our normal lives. We come to church so we can see eye to eye with another person, a brother, a sister, a friend, a coworker, and say, hey, how are you doing? You know, how is your life really? What's going on beneath the surface? How can I encourage you? How can I pray for you? Can we believe for healing? Can we contend for healing? Church is just a central place where we can come together and declare that he is Lord. That's what this is about. Each and every week, Jesus is Lord. Each and every week, I don't know what I'm doing. My life is a mess. I'm 24 years old. I don't know where I'm going. But Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. He's not a rabbi. He's not my teacher. He is Lord. Usually those things go on every phone, and wouldn't that be something? If every phone in this place just started making that sound. Let's pray. Jesus, we pray for whoever's, it's an amber alert. We do pray for, you know, whoever it is, wherever they are. We just pray that you would intervene and you would be in the middle. And we thank you that this is exactly what it's about, that we can come together on a Sunday morning and be in church. It's not about a message or a word. It's about you and your kingdom. And so we just thank you and we believe in faith that you will do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Worship team, you can come back out. You know, I just want to say this. Judas relegated Jesus to being a great teacher and look where it got him. Let's make this thing about so much more than just the music and just the teaching. Let's make this about Jesus. Let's make this place a place where we can come together as one, not divided, but in unity and say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Savior. Jesus is the shepherd. He's the master builder. He's the cornerstone. You know why I'm a part of this church? 24 years old, filled with dreams and ambition and plans and agendas. I'm in this church because we have a lead pastor who comes to terms with Jesus is all. He is the shepherd. We're following Jesus as a community. You know why this is a powerful community? Because our leader says it's all about Jesus. I, I'm worried that American church wants to make it about what's the vision of the leader. How can we follow a leader, a man, one person? I'm thankful to be a part of a body that says, we're just going after Jesus. We don't have all the answers. We're not exactly sure, right turn, left turn, up, down, sideways, over here, over there, what? I don't know, but we are running after Jesus. That's what we're doing. And if you're new to this church and you're like, oh man, I need a five-step course to this thing, you're not gonna get it here. What you're going to get is a group of people that says Jesus is Lord. You know why Jesus is proud of this place? Because when he asked this place a question, he asked the disciples, who am I to you? We tell him, you are Lord. We don't play the church games. Oh, I have a plan. I have a vision. I have an agenda. This is where we're going. This is what we're doing. 
We have a leader who is perfectly content to stand up here and say, I don't know where we're going, but I promise you will follow Jesus. I promise you will go after Jesus. I promise you we're headed in His direction. The prayer of His heart is, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you're not sure where this church is going or what's happening or even in the transition over the last couple months, just go get lunch with Mike. That's it. Have a meal with Mike and Christy. What I see as a 24-year-old young man are leaders that I can trust, leaders that I can serve, leaders that I can look to and listen to and follow, a leader full of integrity, full of compassion, Everything else is arbitrary. Everything else. All about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And as a community, we are committed, just like the early church, to building our church on Jesus. To building our church, Christ alone, cornerstone. Let's stand up. We're going to sing some songs. We're just going to close with one worship song. You know, we ended last service a little bit differently. I want to ask you a different question to end this service. I want to ask you, are you in or are you out? You know, and maybe he can't say that, but I'm going to ask you, you know, as a, a brother, as a friend, are you in or are you out? You know, we're looking for people that are all in. Mike is, Pastor Mike is looking for people that are all in. All my chips are in this boat. I am both feet in this boat. Not one foot in, one foot out, here, there, here one week, gone the next, I don't know, next month, maybe a different. We're looking for people that are all in, that can get in the boat and say, I trust where it's going. I don't know how it will get there. I don't know really what it looks like, but I can trust that if I'm in the boat, I'm going towards Jesus. And that's it. And we're looking for people that say, I'm in the boat. I'm in the boat. And as we sing this last song, I want you to ask yourself that question. Are you in the boat or not? Do you trust him or not? Because the same thing he told Peter is the same thing he tells us today. I will build my church. You make it about me as the son of God and I will build my church. In the gates of hell will never prevail against the church that I build. Division won't prevail. Agendas won't prevail. False motives won't prevail. Only Jesus will prevail when he builds his church. And that's who we are. So Jesus, as we sing, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, that we would confront that question, who you are to us. And that we would wrestle right here in this space with whether or not we're in the boat. Not half in, half out. Are we in the boat? Are you in the boat? Let's sing.